This edition of The Best of Beer It Is is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. My name is Tobias Wilborn. We are listening to Beer It Is on the CSPN Network. And damn right I'm cool because we're here and I'm drinking a really cool barrel-aged secret stout. Shh, don't tell everybody. But I guess I can now tell everybody because it is out there. And the man behind that secret stout, as well as that brown ale that comes in those cans, as well as that IPA, the Hefeizen, and so many different styles, is my man Jeremy Baker. And I'm going to talk to Jeremy now. What was your first good beer? Wow, my first good beer? Yes. Man, I probably had a lot of beer before I had a good beer. Yeah, me too, man. Because I, And I laugh about this because like I worked in Tallahassee for a good year and a half at the Tallahassee Democrat. Really cool paper there. And so I was there, and that's how I know Byron and some of those other guys at Grasslands and Deep. Shout out to all the Tallahassee brewers. And I'm really looking forward to getting back down there soon. Come holler at you guys because, man, y'all are doing some really dope stuff that I can take when I go to other places. That being said... I was I'm so jealous of the college kids down there. By the way, the ones who are over 21, because on Beard is we we advocate for legal drinking, not you know underage drinking. But that being said, those kids are coming up only drinking good beer, and I love it because it's great for the industry. But I'm jealous because my first beer was a Mickey's. Yeah, <laughs> and the little like ponies. It was like a, you know they call them little ponies. For those who don't know, if you if you're under say 25, it was like a little six ounce little thing. And I borrowed it from my grandmother, who's still here, <laughs> Granny. I, I still love y'all. Did you t- give it back? Eventually, <laughs> one form or another. <laughs> in one form or another, and she got my love and undying devotion. But nonetheless, I borrowed at Mickey's from Grandma as we were watching wrestling on a. Night with, you know, catfish and biscuits, because again, I'm a southern boy, so that's how that goes. And that was my first taste of beer. Then from there, it was Budweiser and Heineken and Coronas with Grenadine and all that garbage. So I didn't really drink a good beer until I was probably like in my mid to late 20s, and it was in Newcastle, and I was in Atlanta as Sweetwater and all those guys came out. Anyway, the point is, without digressing too far, that... Now, kids are coming up drinking really great beer early. So how was that for you as a brewer? Yeah, so uh, for me, you know, uh, it's I'm really lucky. So my mom's British, and Mm -hmm. so I have a lot of family. Oh, nice. Kicks and ale, yeah. So I have been to England a number of times, and we used to go at least once every couple of years when I was growing up. Nice. So from uh, about the time I was of legal drinking age over there, which is 18, um, but you know, I, we're not going to go there. Exactly. Go yeah, 18 as long as you can see over the bar. Hey, man. Um, if they serve it to you? No, yeah, no. I was, I was definitely old enough to, uh, to partake, and um, I would say that's my, my first experience with really good beer. So what was it? Like, what, what, what did you honest, honestly, it was a Guinness. The, fir- the first great <laughs> Guinness over there is different than Guinness over there. Absolutely. Here. The first great beer I ever had was a Guinness Nitro. Draft at the pub in Bath, England. Ooh, okay. Bath, Easton, England. Um, nice. And to this day, it's still one of the most delicious beers I've ever had. Nice. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, things are a lot different now. I don't know if I would feel the same way about a Guinness draft over there now. Probably as I, not. As I did then. Although, although a good Guinness for an extra, if you can get a hold of that, particularly if it's nitroed. Absolutely. My word. It's still Absolutely. really good, really smooth. And the nitro brings out, like, certain balances. And speaking of that. You guys have a beer on Nitro right now. Yeah, we recently got a Nitro tap, and 
what we've done is we're just experimenting with our different brews on that tap. So we've pretty much run through every regular beer we have, and um, it's just it's been really fun uh, uh, noticing the, the different nuances with the nitro tap and with the regular tap. So is there one in particular that really works well with the nitro tap? That Man, you've the, been... the multi beer seem to work really well. I'm sure that brown ale is probably really good. Uh, nitro, yeah, right? honestly, the 1901. Um, we call it the 1901 roasted red ale. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a traditional red by any sense. It drinks more like a stout or a porter. Nice. It's very dark, very roasty. It has almost a coffee flavor to it. Um, but it's a very uh, a very malt forward beer, mm. and um, I think the nitro really accentuates those those, those subtle notes that are in there. It kind of balances out, takes a little bit of that carbonation out of it, yeah. makes it smooth. You know, the, the carbonation helps with really hoppy beers. You know, mm-hmm. it helps with that bite and that, yes. that um, you know that bitterness that you get. Uh, so with the multi beers, you know, you don't get that that carbonation bite, and so you really can. Um, enjoy those subtle flavors that are in the malt bill nice nice and speaking of subtle flavors in the malt bill you're listening to beer it is and i tell you what man my name is nubias wilborn i'm here at bowl city with my man jeremy baker and you know i mean he's cooking up some really great stuff man so jeremy baker is a good name for you because that's how we're rocking and rolling <laughs> here and speaking of bacon man let's talk a little bit about your water treatment how are you treating your water i hear jacksonville gets some pretty good water tell me about it what you guys are doing differently we get some really good water and we're not doing a whole lot differently we have a carbon filter at least have a really basic filtration system Mm -hmm. so a carbon filter and a charcoal filter nice nice yeah yeah. um so other than that we're using uh you know straight uh city water filtered with some uh ph balancer and um, that's all we seem to need to do. We've got really great water. And here. so it kind of zeroes it out, and then you're able to do whatever you want to. Yeah, for what you ba- balances that pH. It's pretty common in, in, the, in the brew world, depending on you know what kind of water you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, we have a, one of the, the largest uh, rivers at, in, in the world, I think. Here, yeah, St. John's, one yeah. of the few that are that flow north, mm. and um, you know, it gives us some really good water. Nice, and that I tell you what, man, beer is so much about the water. And if you can get good water, it really makes it easier to do some really fun things with beer. So we talked about the brewery itself, the 20-barrel system. What are you, what are you guys testing on? Um, right now, we are having to test on the 20-barrel system. That's why you want to, that's why you want to move downtown, as we talked exactly. about. Exactly. So mm-hmm. the downtown will be kind of our test system. Uh, it'll, you know, if something does really well down there then we can do it on the 20 barrel system and make more of it and then if it does well from there we can move it into the production schedule um, but we've been really fortunate uh, to do as well as we have in the short time we've been here we distribute um, enough to uh, keep our 20 barrel system uh, full with our regular lineup plus our seasonals nice every once in a while we do something special or we we'll throw something in do you do like bottle releases or the kind of thing not a bottling line anymore so, okay so, so, yeah, so no we, uh, we just we can uh, the three Sort of flagships, and then um, we have a small barrel aging program. So mm. we were mostly doing bourbon barrels. Um, we just recently started experimenting with some rum barrels. Oh, rum and, barrels are um, fun. Yeah, we've expressed some interest in uh, in some other barrels, some wine barrels, and, nice. and, and, and other liquors as well. Yeah, because I mean, um, back in Atlanta, there was a brewery, and I had them on the podcast earlier. Wild Heaven, they do like a tequila barrel aged ale. Yeah, and it is really smooth. Green Room does an amazing tequila barrel aged beer. They only release it once a year. Wow. And um, it's got some Serrano peppers and some, uh, I think I think it's like an Imperial Red. I'm not exactly sure about that, but uh, it's really nice. We'd like to get our hands on a tequila barrel at some point. Yeah, because there's so many things you do with it. Because you can brown ale in it, you can do an IPA in it. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can do with tequila barrels that right. maybe you can't do with bourbon. So Bourbon barrels are easy to get because they only use them once. Right, yeah, French law. <laughs> 
But um, other barrels are becoming easier to get because there's a, a, a higher demand for it in the brewing community. Nice, nice. And speaking of the brewing community, how is the community here in Jacksonville? Man, it's amazing here. You know, we started in uh, 2008, so we're about to have our eight-year anniversary here in October. And uh, we were the first ones. The next one didn't come till about a year and a half later, maybe wow. almost two years later. And uh, we're already up to nine with probably, I would I would assume, at least two or three more in the next year. That's crazy. So um, it's really blown up, and it's um, it's it's great, man. There's a, a strong bond between all the breweries. You know, we have a... A little bit uh, of competition, though, too, right? I mean, it's it's friendly competition. Right. Uh, Jacksonville's a really big city, mm-hmm. and there's plenty of room for all of us. So, you know, and... There's plenty of places that have enough taps to put all the local breweries on. Nice. So you don't see a whole lot of, um, of uh, you know, brute competition. Or yeah, there's no hate, there's no shade, yeah. anything like yeah. that. You know, everybody's. The cool thing about Jacksonville is that it's so big and, you know, nine breweries compared to a place like Asheville is nothing. You know what I mean? Compared to a, Yeah, you know, which Asheville's so small, but there's so many. There's exactly. big boys, there's little boys, there's middle, and then there's, like, the brew pubs, like, Almost every restaurant in Asheville brews beer. Sure, sure. It's crazy. So for, for here, there's everyone can kind of do something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Everyone can specialize in what you know aspect of brewing they really are passionate about. And everyone is kind of doing something different, adding something to the community in general. And I think that's important when you talk about brewing because that's what makes craft beer so special. Because you're able to say, okay, hey, we might specialize in IPAs. Okay, so we got the stouts. We got the browns. And then, like, because it's Florida, you need some... A little easier to drink. Like, I always talk about proof down here because they have that mango wit. Sure. And that's one of those easy to drink, but so Florida beers, right? And so every brewery can find their own feng shui, but not get in the way of others, but still turn people on to beer. Absolutely. Absolutely. The sours are on the, on the rise right now. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so that's something we may experiment with when we get downtown. It's not anything we want to uh, tackle here at the production facility. Because that's and souring is a whole other thing because that's a whole other way you have to store and everything is, else. Well, you know, here here in, in Florida and in Jacksonville, some of those lighter styles that are, are uh, you know, kettle soured or, or fast soured, however you want to talk about it, mm-hmm. um, are becoming really popular because yeah. of, because of the weather here. They're nice and light. They're mm-hmm. low ABV. They're refreshing. You know, it's almost it's almost like drinking a spiked lemonade rather than a right rather than a beer. You know, so and nice. I think and also too for the brewer that's important because it's like Coke. Like, hey, I can I can drink a few of these right. and so sessionable, like you said. You exactly, know, something yeah. you can take to the beach with you. Something you can. You can, you know. Right. And the more I can drink, the more I can buy again. Right. <laughs> Which always is good for the sure. brewers. Because, I mean, let's be real. Like, this is a business. You guys are in to make You guys are in to make money. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, obviously, it's craft. But sure. you want to make a living. Um, Let's go from there. By the way, guys, you're listening to Beer It Is on the CSP Network. My name is Tobias Wilborn. I am here at Bold City with my man, Jeremy Baker. And we're just rocking and rolling. So, Jeremy, talk about the business side just a little bit. It's always the kind of the awkward part. But it is what it is. How is it coming with, like, getting the hops you want, getting the malts you want? How's that going? And is that a challenge yet, or is it something you're still working on? Yeah, so I can only say so much as far as yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah, of course, but, yeah. Um, you know, being the brewer and not the money guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, so far, things have been good. You know, we have a good relationship with uh, um, the malt company we go through. And the, nice. And, uh, Are you guys in a hop union, or? Uh, I believe so. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And we... Um, we, uh, you know, we do contracts for the entire year, so we, we kind of think about how much of each topic we're going to need, and we establish those contracts. And mm-hmm. uh, 
Um, only recently has it become an issue. Actually, just uh, you know, looking forward to next year. Um, there's been such a boom in, the, yeah. in this business that uh, you know things aren't as readily available as they were. Right, um, right. And you do worry about that a little bit when it comes down to your flagships. You know, mm-hmm. am I going to be able to keep making this the, the same way that I have been? Yeah. Um, but so far, we've been pretty fortunate. You know, we've we've been doing this for for a long time, and uh, we have good relationships with with the people we're getting our product from. And that's important because. One of the things with Miller and Bud, you know, MBEV, whatever you want to call them, getting into the game, buying these breweries is, okay, fine. They're going to get the hops they need because they're big boys. And for the ones who, I don't want to call it selling out. I don't want to, I don't want to do that because, I mean, hey, you're in a business to make money. If you're able to cash out on, say, I mean, say you invested $500,000 somebody comes with $10 million, you'd be an idiot not to take it. So, I mean, I can't judge a brewery for that, and that's choice, and that's Whatever, right? But yeah. what ends up happening is for guys like you who are still trying to like be independent and be on your own, it makes it a little harder. But it seems like you guys have a plan to kind of make it work, at least for now. Things are going good for us. And, you know, I think with those problems come solutions. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to see a boom in, um, you know, just specialized maltsters. And nice. people, people are trying to grow their own hops. There's a program at our uh, local university I believe at UNF, they're experimenting with uh, growing hops indoors. Yeah, University of Florida is too. They're trying to grow indoor hops. Yeah, finding uh, finding strains that will work in this environment, and so there's people solving those problems that are arising, and that's creating more, uh, you know, more education, more jobs, more opportunities Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, and expanding the brewing community even further than it is now. So So it it may not be a Chinook hop anymore. That's a West Coast hop, but it may be a Florida hop that we don't even know it exists yet. Exactly, it might be an experimental hop that sort of. emulates that Chinook hop or, mm-hmm. or comes close to it. And, you know, there's something cool about that. Uh, I know it's getting real big in, like, the New York area right now, but there's something cool about being able to get everything as local as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you can make a beer that's that's only support, that's really just supporting your area and your community, that's there's something to be said for that. You know, you're doing something good for yeah. the entire, you know, the entire industry, but also your, your entire well, community. One of our recent episodes was from Southern Tier and, you know, I hold them in a whole other level from actually getting to get a private tour, really getting to see how they operate and what they do. And I was shocked that they're brewing their pumpkin, which is a crazy seller. They're distributed in 36 states, wow. but they're still doing it with pumpkin puree. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that beer alone, they distribute 30,000 barrels of just that beer, of just pumpkin. And yet they're doing it with still pumpkin puree. So, fortunately up there... There are a lot of pumpkin growers, and so there are pumpkin growers who are making a whole lot of money now <laughs> that may not have been before. They do, like, beers with maple, and so that's really cool to see. And that's yeah. like something you guys want to be able to do down here, too, right? Yeah, I think that's yeah, I think it's great, you know. I think uh, we, for our um, pumpkin beer, we use um, a local company just down the street. Nice. They, uh, they provide us with, uh, you know, real pumpkin powder, and um, we came up with a spice mix through them using all natural ingredients. Um, that they were able to create for us and, and specifically for our beer. So, yeah, we tend to use local when we can. It's not, it's hard in North Florida to, right. uh, you know. There's also many things can grow, I mean, and I get it. Exactly. But. So, you know, we're still getting we're still getting our, you know, two row from far away and most of our hops from all over. But you know, we do what we can to stay local and be a part of the community and help everyone out around us. And I'll tell you what, one way you can help people be local is by tuning in to Beer It Is 
Hashtag Beer It Is on Twitter, on Instagram, everywhere else. Tell your friends, tell your family. If you like the show, tell 10 friends. If you don't, kick rocks. But nonetheless, I'm not kicking rocks right now. I have just finished this really beautiful secret. Hey everyone, this is your man Jeremy from the Crown and Collars podcast. Just reminding you that you are listening to a CSPN media presentation. And to check out Crown and Collars every Wednesday so we can tell you what your aunt does when you're not around. This episode of the Beer It Is podcast is sponsored by Busted Tees. Your home for funny, awesome, cool t-shirts that are sure to get your friends' attention. Busted Tees puts many of their popular shirt designs on sale each week. Choose from several eye-catching t-shirts inspired by pop culture. Cleverly themed t-shirts inspired by movies, video games, TV shows, comic books, geek culture, and much more are on sale right now. To help keep our podcast free, you can order from Bust Tees by going to our official website, cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then clicking on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Busted Tees banner, and then you can shop for awesome t-shirts. Busted Tees through cspn.us. Do it today. Alright, boys and girls, my name is Nubias Wilborn. The name of our key is Beer It Is, and today is a special day. Because I am here with a fellow Clarkite. That's right, Clark Atlanta University, my alma mater, the most beautiful school on the face of the earth, the Clark Atlanta. And my man, Jason Jones from Hopspot ATL. He has beer tours and he's a brother, so it's really cool to get, you know, look, I, I love what I do with, it, with, 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 with this craft beer cast. I enjoy it, but it's always cool I get the brother on. Especially from my dear proud alma mater, Hail Roaring Panthers, man Jason. What's up? What's going on, my man? How you doing? Man, I'm fantastic, man. So, we'll get into the accent. I mean, you know, from Baltimore. So, I mean, you know, we'll get into that and your background with craft beer. But let's start into that. Tell us about Hop Spot. Sure. And what exactly you guys do and kind of how you roll. Well, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the main idea is to... Uh, connect people with everything that's going on craft-wise here in the city, or the state for that matter. Um, there are so many options, so many places you can get good good brew, good beer, um, good food, good spirits, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really just want to connect our guests with those outlets. Nice. And so you have these tours. Uh-huh. People come on, tell us a little bit about them. First of all, tell us where to find you. Sure. Um, yeah, you can check us out online, www.hopspotbeertours.com. Again, that is hopspotbeertours.com. Uh, Facebook, uh, Hopspot Beer Tours of Atlanta. Uh, Instagram, we are hopspotatl, as well as uh, Twitter. And so that's very important. Find these guys, check them out. Yes, sir. And from what I hear, if you tell them you heard about this on the Beardist Podcast, let show you a little bit of love. Yeah, hey, might be able to work something out, my man. A little bit of love, you yeah. know, just a little bit. And so, speaking of that, I went on your most recent tour uh-huh. up in Rosville. We started at, first of all, they came and picked us up, had a really nice van, mm-hmm. him and the lovely wife, as I've 
kind of become a recurring theme on this podcast. She's my director of marketing. Whether it's a brewer, whether it's a brew pub owner, uh-huh. or whatever, it seems to be having the lovely lady who is supporting. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Shira, man. She seems to really be down for what you're doing. Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, we've only been married a little over a year and a half. But uh, in that time together, man, we've, we've definitely grown a lot, especially since starting this business. Um, she's been down 100%. I remember when I told her about the idea, she was like, hey, whatever you got to do, let's do it. And I'm, I'm on board. So to have that support and that backing behind the things that, you know, I want to go after is uh, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's, it leaves me speechless. Nice, man. And, you know, you told me how you met her and just, uh-huh. you know, kind of growing and individually as well as together and mm-hmm. Now it seems like you guys are able to like like she drives a van yeah. and as we're able to kind of drink beer, man. Until we get a full time driver. Yep, she, sure. Like I said, she's she's gonna do what needs to be done as long as I'm doing what needs to be done. So we're gonna make it work. That's a beautiful thing, man. So for this tour, you picked us up at the train station or wherever mm-hmm. else we park, and then from there we were on a bus. We had chips. We had a gift bag. Yeah, man. Tell us how you come about the gift bags and just everything else that comes along. Well, it's the the gift bag itself is really just a token of our appreciation for choosing us. Uh, there are other options here in the city, um, but, you know, we want to thank every single guest in our own special way for choosing us to go on a beer tour. I mean, there are a lot of options here in the city beer-wise, so, um, you know, again, it's just, hey, you chose us, thank you. And so, let's talk about it a little bit. So, sure. we went to Roswell, uh-huh. and so we started Abbey and the Holy Ghost, uh-huh. first female-led owned brewing yeah. estate. And uh, one of their head brewers is a uh, female as well. Right. Yeah, so um, yeah, they're, they're doing some, some awesome things up there, man. Uh, Roswell is, is one of those places that, uh, you know, not a lot of people who are inside the city venture out to. Um, and if you're in that area, I mean, you're going there regularly, you know, that's your neighborhood, that's your backyard, so you're going to frequent those places. So um, what we try to do is, you know, get people who don't really go into the area and show them everything that it has to offer and um, kind of just go from there. Yeah, because I know I wouldn't have gone out there, because that's a long way exactly to go if you're gonna have a few pops exactly. and not only go from there yep. so what was your favorite beer at abbey the holy goats uh definitely the uh the vanilla uh goats obsession that nice. one was uh phenomenal i'm already a big fan of uh the goats obsession double ipa um but this one just adding those vanilla characteristics to it just made it that much better yeah and shout out to kathy up there yeah, man was definitely really cool lady who knows the game she has an interesting story oh yeah we'll get to a little bit of that like she would either have been a nun or mm-hmm. a brewer. Yep. And uh, I guess getting drunk at uh, Brickstore Pub one night just uh, led her to her decision. So Shout out to Brickstore Pub, yeah. man. It has definitely been an incubator yeah. of what is Atlanta beer and the industries mm-hmm. around this area, man. So then from there, we went from there to Gate, City. Gate, City. Gate City. yes, sir. And they're right in downtown Roswell. Yep, yep, right there on the corner. Um, that's one of the places that uh, recently opened up, I think, within the last... Six or seven months, uh, early 2016 mm-hmm. uh, in Roswell. And um, they've been pumping out some really good American-style beers. It looks like that's their niche, especially for that area. Um, a cool thing about Roswell is, from what I hear, their, uh, their, their city mayor is actually trying to create something similar to uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Nice. So they want to have um, a handful of breweries. I know Variant Brewing is going to be brewing up there um, in the next, I want to say, year. Um, I spoke with the owner not too long ago. At the Scofflaw uh, Grand Opening. Right. As, uh, Shout out to Scofflaw, yeah. man. Those guys are doing it. Travis and the crew over there. Yeah, and uh, they're looking to make a uh, splash within the next year. So um, they got some good things coming. Um, Roswell has a lot of great beer uh, spots and a lot of good food spots. The, the downtown scene is, is vibrant, so they got a lot of things coming. Right, so then from there, we went to a bottle shop. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep, right uh, right off Atlanta Street. Uh, so our, our big thing with uh, the, the, the beer tours is really to 
connect people with each point of sale where beer is available, whether it be the brewery, the bottle shop, a brew pub, or uh, any other place that's cool, you know, that, that you can get beer. So um, we do two breweries generally, a bottle shop as well as a brew pub. And uh, this particular tour uh, for the, the bottle shop, we ended up at Ale Yeah. So you can get samples there. You can buy bottles there. And they have an array of options, um, a lot of new drops that came out they had. Uh, and, yeah. and, again, it's just exposing people to what's available in a place that they wouldn't normally go to. And that's cool. And I tell you what, you know another place you want to get exposed? Right here on the Beard Is Podcast on the CSP Network. My name is Nubias Wilborn. Here with man, Jason Jones, rocking and talking, my fellow Clark guy. Hey, Roaring Panthers, you know how we do it. Mm-hmm. And we're just talking beer and his beer journey. Let's talk a little bit. We'll get back to the tours. Let's talk a little sure. bit about, you know, you're in the beer trading. And we uh-huh. haven't, one thing about with the podcast, most of the episodes have been talking to brewers. This is kind of one of the first times I can really got to talk to a connoisseur of beer more than somebody <laughs> who makes the beer. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite connoisseur status yet, but uh, I, mean, I appreciate but you, you that. You game, though. I mean, you, you know what's going on, man. Shout yeah. out to. Our group, yes, you know, I mean, yep. I ain't gonna put <laughs> no. no names, please, exactly. but you know, young African American men of different backgrounds get together. Mm-hmm. We rap about beer, and one of the things that with you, you've gotten to the trading game, yeah. man. So let's talk a little bit about that, man. Um, what's been one of your favorite beers that you have gotten in some of what we call, I guess, porch bombs? Yeah, man, man, I, I love my, my two favorite breweries right now are gonna be Modern, Modern Times out of San Diego. And then uh, Five Rabbit up in Chicago. Um, Modern Times makes one of my favorite IPAs right now, the City of the Sun. And then uh, Five Rabbit, I mean, they have a whole bunch of, the line of stouts right now are just phenomenal. Uh, Yoro con Leche is uh, one of my favorites. I'm actually trying to set up a trade right now. Nice. One of those. It is stout season. so um, It's stout season, baby. Yeah, I, I got to get a couple more of those in my cellar and then, uh, you know, some, some get ready to, to, to drink this season. So, um, yeah, those are my two favorites at the moment uh, that are outside of Georgia. But um, I'm definitely open to trying some some new things throughout the country. So I tell you what, man, it's always South season on beer. It yes, is. Sir. I tell you what, for, for me, because that's just my favorite style. Hey, I'll drink a barrel aged Russian yep. Imperial. I'll drink a stout. In 100, 100 degree weather. Yep. You hear me? <laughs> I mean, I could be in a white beard and sweating, and I'm gonna drink a stout, baby. Yep. That's just that's just my favorite style. I just I just like yeah. a good stout. Yeah. So for you, what was? You're from Baltimore, obviously. So, I mean, you know, Maryland has grown in the beer scene. Mm-hmm. You got Heavy Seas. Yep. You got, um, what's my? Duclaw. Duclaw up there. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. so, I mean, and you got a lot of smaller breweries in that Maryland area. And mm-hmm. that DMV area, so yeah. I have to excel some of those guys in, in the group. Yep. Um, how did you get into craft beer? What was the first good beer you had? Well, I didn't get into craft beer until I was already down here in Georgia. Um, it was a couple of years ago. Because uh, you're probably drinking on Natty Bowes, right? No, nah, man. I was a vodka man coming up. Oh, okay. Fair but, enough. Uh, actually, you know what? I, I said, well, that's I, how you keep your shelf figure. I, I drank right? 40s, though. I drank 40s. So oh, St. <laughs> Ives was probably my, my go-to beer. But uh, <laughs> outside of that, it was vodka. But... Um, you hanging out with Biggie and Pac in the 90s, man? <laughs> I was old enough, man. But, uh, yeah, the uh, Lazy Magnolia Southern Pecan was uh, the, the first beer that got me into the craft game. Uh, one of my guys from work, he, uh, we went out to uh, a local bar, and um, I just said, hey, give me something that, you know, might not be too sweet or too bitter or whatever, and suggested the uh, Lazy Magnolia Southern Pecan, and uh, I-, I fell in love from, from there, man. So uh, I- I've been trying to explore uh, a lot of offerings, you know, throughout the nation. I really want to master what's going on here locally first, obviously, with uh, doing beer tours, but, um, you know, I'm-, I'm always trying to try something new wherever it's from. So what made you decide to go from... Being a beer drinker to like becoming a part of the beer community yeah. as far as you know, making a little money out of this thing, right? Um, two things. Uh, there, uh, well, me personally, I have a, a bunch of 
entrepreneurial aspirations. Um, I've always had them since I was a kid. I've uh, worked as soon as I'm old enough to work. Um, I've owned small businesses here and there. Um, but I always want to do something that, you know, I find joy in. There haven't been too many things out there that, uh, you know, I could see myself doing for the rest of my life, basically. Mm -hmm. So there's that aspect. And then uh, falling in love with the craft beer scene. Um, you know, it's just joining some passions that I have. Uh, not only that, you know, I, I love meeting new people and, and uh, you know, going to places to try new things. And, of course, sharing those things with new people. So yeah. it, it's a combination of different things. But, um, you know, I, I love people. I love beer. And I want to show off what, what Georgia has to offer. So... That's uh, kind of how Hotspot got started. Nice. And so what are some of your favorite spots in the state, man? Um, in state, my, my favorite, uh, hands down right now, is Monday night. Um, shout out to those guys. It's like we've been doing a whole bunch of right. shout outs tonight. But, uh, Salute. Uh, Drafty Kilt was probably the, the first beer that I could buy every single day and I get tired of it. Uh, to this day, um, I'm actually going around random places and seeing if I can find the cinnamon cocoa drafty kilt, which I actually found a six pack today. Uh, lo and behold, at Target uh, nice. up here in Ackworth, so I, I scooped it. It was the very last one, dusty bottles and everything, man. I, I had so to it's get probably it, already so. aged for you. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's ready to go, man. But uh, yeah, that, they're one of my favorites. Um, I, I mean, there's so many good guys out here that I, I could go down the whole list, but uh, they're my favorite, top to bottom. Nice. And then, how do you pick? the places where you kind of do your tours. Yeah. I know ours was a Roswell tour. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing you have a Kennesaw tour coming up. <laughs> yep. Uh, November 19th is going to be the Kennesaw tour. We're actually going to stop first at Dry County. Then we'll go to Burnt Hickory. We're going to add something new this time and stop at a distillery, uh, Lazy Guys Distillery, um, this time rather than going to a brew pub. And then we'll finish off at Wise Owl Growler so, you know, you can get some beer to take home. Nice. Um, but the the whole thing behind, um, you know, choosing which location we're going to be at, uh, we really just want to keep everything neighborhood focused. Um, so we're not driving from Kennesaw to Marietta to downtown. Unless, of course, you want to do a private tour where those are the, the breweries that you choose. But we want to spend less time on the road traveling and more time in each of the stops so you can experience uh, what they have to offer, um, the, the people who work behind the scenes, the crowd, uh, and even you know the ambiance of the, the surrounding area. So. Well, yeah, because one of the cool things about the tour we did was, I mean, we're about at, at each of the breweries, about a good hour, maybe mm -hmm. an hour and a half, and yeah. we got to check out the facilities yep. and tours. How important is that to you for people to learn that part of the game. Yeah, there's always that education aspect. Um, again, exposing people to, to what's available, you know, in your own backyard is a huge part of what we do. So, um, you know, we, we always want people to meet the people who make the beer. If it's not the owner, maybe one of the brewers or, um, you know, somebody who has a hand in what actually goes into what you're drinking. Uh, so, again, that's, that's a big part of, of what we're trying to do is connect the people to the people who make it. Because, like, okay, and for instance, on our tour, we had a gentleman who... He said it was a Bud Light drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yep. so what was it like kind of seeing him yeah. go from, because I've met this young man, he yeah. definitely is a Bud Light oh, yeah. you know, kind of guy, <laughs> right? Or well, he was. Yeah. He, he was that dude. Yep. What was it like kind of seeing him try like some complicated stouts and some yeah. gorgeous other things? Well, having something like that, um, you know, is it, always fun. It's, it's awesome to see somebody try something new and get hooked instantaneously. I mean, that's how it happened for me. Uh, so to see that in, in one of our guests, uh, in and of itself, is, is, a, is a feat. It's awesome it's great to experience so getting that getting him um you know exposed to what else is out there now he's, his eyes are open so now he's going to go seek after that and potentially become a uh, regular customer for one of our local breweries if not uh, a couple and that's got to be fun just getting people to learn you know the process of brewing mm -hmm. what goes in it and, and what these and, i mean it's called craft beer but it, people are crafting yeah. like they're making it's, it's a work of art that's exactly what it is yep and so
This is Tim Dog from the Comic Book Chronicles. Make sure to join myself, Agent 70, Dirt, and Roddy Cat live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, as we discuss the latest breaking comic book news and also review the new comic books each week, along with discussing TV shows, movies, and much more. And make sure to go to our website, theclicknation.com. You can listen to the Comic Book Chronicles every Friday by subscribing to the Cold Slither Podcast Network. Your boy, New Bias Blueborn, and the name on the marquee is Beer It Is, and I am at one of my favorite places. I'm not just saying it because I'm here, or because a certain brewer is listening, but more because they actually brew some really fun beer at Orpheus in this beautiful, I guess almost fourth ward at Piedmont Park area. And I am with a lovely lady. And what makes me really excited about this? This is a groundbreaker for our podcast. We have the first black woman to be on the podcast, second woman on the podcast. First was from Southern Tier, but today we have the lovely Rebecca Royster. Rebecca, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I am fantastic. And no, thank you for having me and thank you for everything you guys do for the beer industry. So let's get right into you. Talk about your beer story. How did you end up here at Orpheus? Uh, I guess it all started from bartending really on a clear stormy night right now (laughs) (laughs) i wish i could say something as exciting as that uh no but really um i was a bartender for many years and i ultimately landed at the porter beer bar in little five points and really that's what kind of started me on my shout out to molly kirim over there and that yeah you know we had beer class and i got to learn so much about beer and you know kind of when i get involved with anything i just like to learn as much as i can and porter really provided a great space to do that and to like kind of fuel my passion and excitement about beer so that's really kind of how i came together especially how i met jason Oh, bless your heart. (laughs) (laughs) What was Jason like back then, man? Because he's a very interesting, quirky dude. But what what was he like back then kind of getting started in craft beer? Uh, I would love to say something crazy because he's sitting right here. But, um, (laughs) no, he's the same as then as he was. He's the same now as he was then, you know. We actually um, found that we shared similar uh, flavor preferences with beer. Nice. So, um, he would come sit at the bar, and I was like, you know, good recommendations of things that were new or things that I thought that he would like. And generally, I was on point with my recommendations for him. And from there, we just started talking. He actually kind of became a resource for me because he's also just like has almost a photographic memory for beer. Right, right. So anytime I have a question about something that I forgot, I would call him or text him. It's like, hey, you remember that beer? What was it? So, so he's like a basically like a mental untapped of his own, right? Just yeah, being able to like, know what he drank, when he drank it, where, and be able to be attentive to it. I would say, I mean, yeah, almost to an obsessive level, just really, you know, some of the, there are some of us like me who are, just, who are really passionate and excited and want to learn about beer, and then I think Jason kind of takes it to a different level where he really wants to know everything about beer and just studies it with a degree of scrutiny that most of us don't. Well, I mean, well, he hangs out with Scott from Burt Kickery. So, I mean, yeah. that tells you, you know, if you can hang out with that guy, you have to be a little bit crazy about this whole craft beer thing. I guess. <laughs> no, I'm By the way, guys, we're having fun here on Beer It Is. And I'm laughing because Jason's in the background. So, it's just really cool. But I really do enjoy this place and what you guys do. So, 
speaking of what you guys do, mm-hmm. you're sipping on the Sycophante's block. Yes. Fig. Sour ale. Well, we guess, I guess we're calling it, it's a golden fig sour ale. So if, for those of you um, who are familiar with some of our beers that we've produced to date, um, we have a Sycophante's that is a fig sour ale. It's kind of a rift on a Belgian double. So we ferment it with Trappist ale yeast. Um, we sour part of the wort, uh, add dark candy syrup, so you get some of those very nice dark uh, roasted fruit character. We also age it on black mission figs, and then it produces this like wonderfully earthy, sweet, um, tart uh, beer. So that is our normal Sycophantes. Uh Jason wanted to kind of remix it a little bit this year and try something different. So for the Sycophantes Blanc, we based it more on a triple. So mm. it's a little bit lighter. Uh, we use golden figs. Lighter in color. Lighter in color, not in alcohol. Yeah, we'll explain that part later. <laughs> it is a little bit stronger for sure. It's not. It's a nine and a half percent instead of uh, seven and a half. So it's a little bit stronger, but um, it is lighter in color. It actually kind of goes down a little bit lighter because it doesn't have dark candy syrup yeah. in it. Um, it's a little bit more tart because um, of that as well. Uh, the golden figs add a different dynamic to it. It's not quite as earthy. As uh, the, the the darker figs, but it's really lovely. So listen, guys, when you see this beer on the market, and it comes in a bomber, correct? The twenty two ounce. Actually, Sycophantes Blanc is draft only. Oh, draft only. So if you get a hold of this beer, either here at Orpheus or probably at a place like the Porter, the Brick Store, maybe the Nest up in Kennesaw, few accounts that will get it. Like maybe an ale, yeah, if they have it on. <laughs> if you get a hold of this beer, sip it slowly. Because it will fool you. You will think that it's you will think that it's an easy drinking beer, but it's not. I actually think that can be said about many of our beers. Um, yeah, you guys are here for the play around. I mean, and it's not like I don't even know that that was intentional. I'd like to say it's not intentional, but I don't know. Maybe it is. But I mean, we just we like really nice, flavorful, dry beers, and they tend to not taste as strong as they are, which is good or bad depending on the day. And so, I tell you what, there's one place where you can always find something strong and flavorful and fun. That is here on Beer It Is on the CSPN Network. My name is Nevias Wilborn, and I am here with Rebecca Royster as we are rapping and talking about beer. We just got finished going through the Sycophantes Blanc, which, as you said, is draft only. Gosh, I wish it came in a bomber, because I tell you what, I would love to trade that with people. But, hey, I mean, you know, the game's the game. You know, I mean, for a first time... I can't think of anything that we've produced to date that we've packaged on the first run. Most things we like to try draft first. And you guys ate that. I'm sorry. And you guys ate that in white wine barrels, correct? Or the no? Sycophantes? No. No, no, no. Or the Sycophantes Blanc? The Blanc. Okay. Nope. Oh, wow. You just got it that way through. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Jason. Our souring process. I mean, we use a, a mother culture that has all sorts of fun microbes, bacteria, yeast that sours our wort. Um, produces really awesome, awesomely berry, uh, wild, kind of funky character that we really love and appreciate in our sours and tart beers. And let's get into the souring game a little bit because we're seeing other, certain other breweries. Well, I mean, we, we can name names because like, everybody's cool to everybody. Like, you know, Sweetwater, they're doing their souring series, they're doing it away from their brewery. Monday night, they're about to start a souring series, they're doing it outside of their brewery. But you guys, you do your souring right here in the same facility. Mm-hmm. How are you guys able to do that and maintain the cleanliness? Well, for the beers like Sycophantes, Sycophantes Blanc, Atalanta, Wandering Blues, um, all of that souring takes place on the hot side of the process. So where we have 
um, a mash tun that also serves as a souring vessel. Sometimes we actually will use our open tanks to sour wort, but it always gets transferred ultimately to our kettle where it's boiled. So everything is uh, killed, essentially, yeah. before it is moves to fermenters or to the cooler side of the process. And I tell you what, man, that was a beautiful explanation. That's one of the reasons why I really wanted you on the podcast, to kind of just get the other side for people to kind of understand that you can sour in the same facility sure. and I make mean, it work. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. We also do sour in barrels, and we have a room dedicated to mm-hmm. producing more. We like to call. We like to classify our sours either wild or tamed. We do a lot of tamed sours where um, we're more in control of the live cultures and active cultures in the finished product. Mm-hmm. And then we do some things that we'll put in barrels and, you know, let time take its course and the various microbes, you know, flavor the beer and we taste accordingly and, you know, time determines when it's ready. So it's, I mean, there's just a wild, a wide range of ways to produce awesome sour and tart beers. And speaking of sour and tart beers, one of your most popular sellers, or it may be your most popular, the Atalanta. Yes. And you don't see very often where I always call it to keep the lights on beer. Mm-hmm. Every brewery has one, whether it's Sweetwater with 420, whether it's Terrapin with um, Hops Executioner, um, Creature Comforts with uh, what's their the IPA, Tropicalia that everybody loves. Sure, yeah. Everybody has that one that keeps sure. lights on. It seems like Atlanta has become that beer for you guys, and it's a sour, which is interesting. You know, <clears throat> truth be told, when we launched, we did not expect Atlanta to be our. A flagship or a standout from the pack beer. Um, it's been a really exciting thing to to be part of and to to see grow. Honestly, because I think if you polled most of the people on our team, Atlanta is a house favorite. Yeah. And of course, we love all of the beers, but of course. It's, it's one. I know for me personally, it's the one that I drink most frequently. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's five point two five percent. It's really nice and refreshing. I mean, it goes... It's a drinker any time of the year. Yeah, any time of the year. Whether it's cold, whether it's hot, you can be cutting grass, you can be at the pool, you can be at the beach, you can Mm -hmm. be at home. It it goes with food. It's just such a wonderful, a wonderful beer. And, I mean, to introduce a sour beer as a year-round was not a popular idea when we launched. So we weren't sure how it was going to go, but I, I can't just say enough how excited we are that it is as popular as it is. And, and by the way, and that's a really eye-catching can. That I guess that plum kind of color to it. Oh, the, the can is beautiful. Yeah. We had um, artwork uh, designed by Brandon Sadler. We like to work with local artists and we, um, at, you know, work with them. They design a piece of work for each beer that mm-hmm. we create. Uh, and that's always fun because, you know, you get to not only have Jason's artistic vision that goes into the liquid inside the can, but we get to he gets to partner with an artist to design, um, you know, the outside packaging, which is pretty cool. And that is something that I just really enjoy about you guys. Like, there seems to be a lot of thought that goes into every can, every beer, both the liquid, the design of the can, and I've seen and I like that the fact that the cans are consistent, but they're all different. Sure. Yeah. Um, with the exception of some of our IPAs. I mean, Transmigration of Soul, Life, Death, Life, Truth, Peace, War, Truth, Life, Truth, Body, Soul, all have a, the same artists. Mm-hmm. But, so there's more of a consistency with the piece of art on the can itself. Um, but the re- most of the other 
cans were designed by a different person. Hmm. And it's neat to see the similarities, but also the striking differences. Yeah. I mean, but it seems like they all kind of have a, the, the white base. Well, sure, yeah. And the actual like the, layout of the cans yeah. are the same across the board. We pick a different striking color for each can because we really liked the idea of having, you know, the art stand out. Mm-hmm. Just like we hope that the beer inside stands out. And just having nice old color. Are like the IPAs intentionally green or shades of green? I noticed like Truth Body Soul is like a dark green. I think um, yeah. Life of Truth kind of has like a little shade of green. Is that kind of intentional or does that just it, happen? It is intentional, <laughs> but I think to start, we really wanted to go with blue and went with green. And I like green fine. for IPA. Green though. is good. I mean, green is, they look great. The cans yeah. are great. Um, but I don't know if it's necessarily... I mean, I guess to keep... Since they're kind of in a family, to keep them related, choosing different shades of green. I told somebody I was like, green's for hops. So, I just yeah. like... So, I like, admit, the IP, and that's literally how, like, when I go to the store and I see, okay, whether it's True Body Soul, whether it's Trans, Migration, right. or whichever one's IPA, it's going to be green. And I was like, I just think green hops, hop yeah. green. So, that's the IPA. That makes sense. So, yeah. So, tell me about that now. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh... <laughs> I mean, that's kind of why we settled on green, ultimately. Also, wow, there was a push to do blue because, well, I mean, that's my favorite color. I wasn't really involved in that decision, but, um, yeah, green makes sense. And speaking of green, mm-hmm. you guys starting to kind of really get it together, building. I'm hearing there's some things coming. Yeah. What's coming next for you guys as far as growth um, well, that you can share? Year, this year, um, we are increasing our year-round portfolio. So um, last year we had three beers available year-round, Atalanta, uh, Lyric Gale, a Saison, and the Wrights IPA. The Wrights, yeah. I like yeah. That. yeah. This year we decided to switch it up a little bit. Um, so we're going to continue, of course, with Atalanta because that's definitely, um, I think, in my opinion, it really does best encompass like what we're setting out to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're keeping that, of course, year-round. Lyric Gale will also remain year-round, but this year... Kind of listening to feedback from our consumers and the people who really love Orpheus, we also wanted to do Transmigration of Souls, our double IPA year round. 10%, that's a, that's a big boy. 10% also doesn't drink like 10%. No, it does not at all. That's It's a very it's frustrating to me, honestly, as a person who has definitely consumed a few of them. And you guys still in a six pack. Yeah. It would have still stay in a six pack. It's, it will still stay in a six pack, and it's a lot of fun, right. but it can be dangerous. Yeah, so. But in a good way. And, 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 and depending on where you're at, where your market is. I I bought that six pack for as little as ten bucks. I bought it for as much as sixteen bucks. Yeah. Depending on where I bought it, when I bought it. Oh, sixteen! I've never seen it that high. Yeah, so I, I won't go back. To I won't say who they are, yeah. but <laughs> but I mean they, they had it, and I'm like, you know what? I want it, and I'm not coming out to the brewery. So well, thank you All for right. supporting. Of course, sure. man. I mean, hey, man. I, like I said, that beer. In Gainesville, GA, Falcons, not too far from here. They used to train here back in the day, but we're here now, home of the Red Elephants. But also, more importantly, maybe, home of an interesting brewery with a funny name, Left Nut Brewery, and the man behind it, Pat Dada. Pat, how are you, my man? I'm good, sir. How are you today? Man, I'm feeling fantastic and going to be feeling even better. 
because I am now starting to slip on your leaning Lena. The Leaping Lena, leaping sir. Lena, leaping Lena. Lena. Yeah. Leaping. Tell me about the name of that beer, man. Yeah, let me tell you about it. One of the things that we do is all, with all of our beer names, we try to have a little bit of a background, whether it's uh, reflective of who we are, uh, styles, origin, or local history. And mm. the Leaping Lena comes from a name of a fire engine that was built in 1927 and put into commission in Gainesville. And after the 1936 tornado that devastated Gainesville, that was the only thing remaining standing in downtown Gainesville. Wow, was this fire truck? Yeah, it was this fire truck. And they called it the Leaping Lena because it had a funky clutch, so it kind of leapt okay. before it uh, went anywhere. Nice. So uh, we thought we would honor that memory and uh, produced our Imperial Red Ale. And Red like a fire that. engine. Absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. And I like the color on this beer. And I like the way it looks. It's an imperial red ale. So talk to me through that style. Yeah. So, you know, um, there's a lot of um, uh, red ales. Uh, typically, people associated that with uh, Irish red ales and things right. like that. You've or got the Killian's Irish red. Exactly. You know what? And I, I will say this real quick. That was one of my, quote, gateway beers. That was one of the first good beers I drank. That's right. and, I'll still drink a Killian's. I'm not going to hate on it. Yeah, yeah. But that, if I'm at a certain spot, St. Patty's Day. Absolutely. Why yeah. not? And, but and, this is better. And, and, and again, what we wanted to do was kind of uh, evaluate the market, see what's out there. And there weren't a lot of reds out there. And there may have been a reason for it, you mm-hmm. know, obviously. Maybe it's not a popular style. But at the same time, we, we're about kind of putting some things in the market that aren't chasing the rabbit like everybody else. Right. So one of the things we did was said, hey, why not? And our brewer was very interested in it, Jason Ford. Uh, our head brewer. Shout out to Jason. Yeah. Get and your scooter right, Jason. Get your scooter right. <laughs> and so uh, basically we created this thing based on his recipe, his idea, and he came up with this uh, thing. And I think what we wanted to do is feature a red ale in all its glory, but amp it up a notch by increasing the amount of alcohol and flavor profile. Yeah. So thus we created that imperial red ale. It's got a lot of the malty, caramely creaminess to it. But at the same time, it's got a little spicy notes from the use of Bravo hops. Yeah, so I like those Bravo nice, hops, man. Nice balance to that whole thing. Because it, it's interesting because on the front, it's really smooth at the back. That little bit of... What are, what are, what's the IBUs on this beer? The IBUs aren't that... It's probably about um, in, the, in the 50s. Okay. Just enough. Just, just enough. enough. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of over the crazy 110 IBU beer. Not, not there's anything wrong with that, but I like... A little bit of balance. Yeah, you know, I like hoppy beers. I, I'm a hop head. I love it. But I think it's time that uh, we kind of get back to that sort of balance you're talking about. Right. And if you notice all of our beers, and I, you know you've tasted a few of ours, mm-hmm. basically what you're seeing We're going to try a few more as we go along here. So. Sounds great. <laughs> what we, we're trying to do is kind of feature the malt back again, make the malt part yeah. of the process again, because I think what we've done is gone too far over to... Take the malt out, make it light, make it light, put it, make it hoppy, make it fragrant. None of that is bad, but I think it's time that we kind of come back to something that doesn't tax you to drink it. Mm-hmm. We want you to kind of enjoy every aspect of that beer, all the dimensions of the beer. So that's why one of the, one of our signatures is going to be, if you taste it, even across our lighter beers, that the malt is featured. Our blonde ale, mm-hmm. you know, we use enough malt in it, so when you taste it, you get a nice mouthfeel. You start to get some honey notes and so forth that aren't always prevalent in a blonde ale. 
but the fun part we do with that blondeo is we finish it with a Czech saz hops. Oh yeah, because that gives it that crisp pilsner-esque finish that you don't expect out of a typical blondeo. And so let me ask you this: we're talking hops, we're talking uh, malt, but you guys like to have a standard yeast. If you don't want to give it up, that's fine. But no, we, we have a few yeasts that we okay. use. Okay. Uh, you know, we use um, the 1099 yeast strain. You right. know, which is an English yeast strain. Old we also school, use the yeah. uh, Sierra Nevada 1056 yeast right. strain, and so forth. So, yeah, you're right. You know, when it comes back, we are using some of the old school stuff. I like that, though, yeah. And then we also, you know, if you look at our double IPA, we're also using old school hops. Cascade Chinook Columbus. Nothing right. wrong with that. Bring it back. The basic, That's right. simple, That's but right. clean hops. Because that provides a really good-looking beer when it's brewed right. Absolutely. Not only that, what it does is I think when used in different combinations of the three, while, whether it's in the boil or whether it's uh, you know post boil aromatic or dry hop, mm. you can start really creating a profile that doesn't exist before, even with a three by just mixing different amounts of each during each phase. So you kind of play with it a little bit, maybe Absolutely. maybe some chinook in the boil, maybe this in the hop. I, I like Absolutely. it. I like it. Having a little fun. And, and you know what? We we're a commercial brewery, right? And mm-hmm. one of the things we want to do is make sure that we have regular access to all the ingredients and raw materials. Yeah. And, you know, I love all of the great hops that are out there, the citrus, the mosaics, and everything else. Nothing wrong with them, but they're harder and harder, harder, and harder right. to get. Yeah, I asked right? friends up at Creature Comforts with the Tropicality. Yeah. Comforts. And they yeah. make a great beer. Yeah. Right? Uh, but what we wanted to do was make sure not only do we make a really good beer, but also didn't choke the market by not having the beer available right. when people wanted it. You can keep making a great right. beer. And I tell you what, you can keep doing things. Keep checking us out here on Here It Is on the CSPN Network. My name is Tobias Wilborn. I am here at Left Nut Brewing in beautiful Gainesville, Georgia. And the name, man. <laughs> All right. So everybody asks that. I know. We got, I, we got to go there. We got to go there. Well, so what happened is after about uh, two and a half decades in the corporate world, I decided to take my uh, passion of what I wanted to do and do something. But really, it didn't really gel right away. And one day after a tough consulting gig, we were sitting around and asking each other. My colleagues were asking me, well, what would you do if you really had to spend the next 50 years doing something? That's when I said, you know, I would give up my left nut to open a brewery. And that's where the word comes from. And at the end of the day, it is about, you know, giving up something you value to do something you love. Right, right, right. And it takes. A, and speaking of something you value, it takes a lot of money to open a brewery. How much did you start with initially, and how's the investing part kind of going? It, it does take a lot of money. Without going into the numbers or anything yeah. else, you know, um, we we actually have um, my business partner, and, and let me kind of make a shout out to him. His name is Ashesh. Shout out and, to Shesh. Uh, so Ashesh and I basically kind of decided at some point. Let's give up the cubicle and let's kind of step into this world. Uh, we love beer, everything else. Now, we knew we couldn't commercially brew because we don't have that background. Right. So we're fortunate enough. So were you a home brewer? Or? I was a home brewer. Oh, for, okay. Since the sort of the late 1980s, I was a home brewer. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, so yeah. It's a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ashesh, although he wasn't a home brewer, he drank a lot. So, right. Yeah, you know, he knows he likes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, when, so when we set out to do this, we needed quite a bit of capital. And uh, just, just to say, you know, Right now, to get a brewery of our scale going and in the market, it takes upwards of $2 million plus to put it in play. And, so and that's still not including background money you need no, and everything else. No, yeah. no, no, no. And, and, and operational money mm-hmm. uh, as an ongoing uh, thing to, right. until you reach your break-even, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so we were fortunate to have a good uh, base of uh, investors. 
Uh, we continue to raise capital through investors, um, and so that's where we are right now. So so far, we've been fortunate, and we hope that fortunate uh, process keeps up. Hey guys, so you know, hey, you never know out there, man. So hey, if you got an extra couple hundred thousand dollars, call these guys. Make it, call us up. Call us we'll up. Talk. Well, hey, you make it make some magic happen, man. Uh, and speaking of the magic, so you're over in an eighty, man.